for coming. So appreciate you. We love you. We we do want to over communicate something that we are here to honor everyone, empower everyone, and have faith for everyone. Yes. That is our those are our core values at the resting place. And so to that end, tonight I actually want to present something to you that actually has um, an, a completely different dynamic than maybe the church you grew up in. Maybe the church you're going to right now. Maybe it's not, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just different. Say different. Okay? And so different isn't necessarily bad. Right? Come on. Um, some of you are a little bit different. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? I love different. I think variety is beautiful. I think diversity is kingdom. You know what I mean? So tonight I want to talk about something that maybe sounds a little bit uh, heady, you know, a little bit theological, but it's extremely practical, and it's important that we start this way, with these heart postures. Uh, who was here at the first preview meeting we had here? Yeah, raise your hand. Good. I like a lot of crowd participation, so, yeah. <laughs> Do it. It's good. It'll make me feel better. Anyway. Um, and we talked about our focus, right? With that. Our focus and our lens, my entire sermon series, will always be Christ. And what? Him crucified. That's it. We have resolved to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We have resolved to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We talked about how in Christ are hidden all the mysteries of God. So you ain't going to find anything in there that's boring, first of all. You know what I mean? So you, it's a deep well that you haven't found the bottom of yet. Okay? If you think you understand the cross, if you think you understand the death, the resurrection, if you think you understand the eternal one ending and beginning again, Please just come talk to me afterwards and I'll stop. I'll, you know, I'll give you the microphone and we can just go home and talk about something else. But until then, hello, are you picking up what I'm putting down? There is yeah. this, how did the eternal one, the unending one, the one outside of time, inside of time, beyond time, die? Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it for a minute, all right? That is just difficult to wrap my mind around. So I don't need to go anywhere else. However, when I look into Jesus and I see the character and nature of Jesus... Certain things about my life are revealed. And certain things about the way we do church should be revealed. Certain things about the way we come together should be revealed. Amen? Yeah. So that's where this is coming from. So I want to talk to you about um, two different church postures, and I'm going to tell you which one we are and which one we're not. Okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about denominationalism versus apostolic families. Okay? So say denominationalism. I know it's a Sunday night. You've been awake all day. They didn't have their Sunday nap. I did. So I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm ready to go. Denominationalism and apostolic families. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about the ism. Denominational isms. Okay? And this, I learned a lot of this from my one of my heroes in the faith, Chris Valton at Bethel Church. And he wrote an amazing book called Heavy Rain. And we're going to talk about some of those concepts. But you need to understand that the ism, the posture, is is the backdrop or the undergirding for denominations. Are you following me? So there's a reason why we have denominations. The foundation for denominations is the ism. Are you tracking? Okay. And then there's another thing called apostolic families. Say apostolic families. That is a very drastically different thing. And let me, let me say something to you just to start off that I said to our staff in our very first team meeting, I said, I heard the Lord very clearly that day, and I heard him say, covenant is the wineskin that I want to fill. So, I'm proposing to you tonight that covenant 
is the wineskin that God wants to fill. Wineskin, if you, if the name kind of explains itself, but if you don't know what that is, it's what they used to, ha you know, hold all the good and happy juice in back in the day, okay? It's where they held the wine. It was the, the container for the wine. And we know that the new wine is the Spirit of God poured out without measure on all flesh. Hallelujah. Can I get a good amen? All flesh. Say all flesh. You know what all means, right? All. Even in the Greek. <laughs> So covenant, let me give you a definition for that. Covenant is family. Say family. Family. Come on, you're in covenant with your family whether you like it or not. They'll never not be your family. You can disown them. You can walk away from them. But you ain't changing your DNA. You ain't changing your bloodline. It ain't going to happen. I don't care what the news or, you know, any blank news tells you, you know. You can't change your origin. Yeah, okay, I'm stop with that right there. All right, so sometimes the Holy Ghost, like, checks me. And I'm like, okay, I'll stop. Anyway, we're, I think we're streaming, so that's probably why. All right, so Chris Paulson wrote an amazing book. And if what I'm talking about right now, really, um, you want to dig more into that, because I only have 30 minutes tonight, I'm going to give you a book to go read. How about that? Isn't that awesome? It's called Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain by Chris Paulson. And that is an incredible book. I'm going to give you some thoughts from that really quickly, okay? In denominationalism, say denominationalism. People gather around agreement. We're here because we all agree. But in an apostolic family, people gather around like DNA. You're my family. In denominationalism, people preach in order to instruct. In apostolic families, we preach to inspire. Very different things. So, I'm going to define the word inspire for you. I looked it up online. The definition says to fill someone with the urge or ability to do or feel something. To fill someone with the urge or ability to do or feel something, especially something creative. So, inspiration, if you've been inspired, it means that you're on a track towards creating something. And that means you're just like God. You're walking the way that He walked because He is the Creator. Every one of you is a creative because you carry the Creator who created all things. So... Stop with the I'm not creative thing just because you don't play violin like Daniel. Can we give it up for Daniel? There's just such a beautiful. I know it might be weird not to be singing lyrics, but sometimes you just gotta let somebody's anointing wash over you, and that's why I just paused a couple of other. Come on, man! Come on, give it to me. So good, right? That inspires me. His anointing inspires me to do or create. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Okay, so. This also means to animate someone with blank, with such a feeling. Animate them with hope. Animate them with joy. To animate someone, to make them alive. That's inspiration. Instruction is there to convince you. Inspiration is there to create hunger in you. Instruction is there to convince you to think like I think. A denominational list will come up here and attempt to get as many people on the same page as them. Believe what I believe. Think what I think. Think about it as often as I think. Do it up at 8 a.m. for five minutes and then pray. But, sorry, that was uncalled for, Caleb. And so, apostolic families, all I want to do tonight, can you get? Can you guess which one? I'm, inspire. I, yeah. All I want to do is inspire you and create hunger in you. The worst thing in the world is if you have to come here to get fed. You, I gotta feed you. I got a nine-month-old son. I gotta feed him. I got enough feeding. All right, I'm good. 
I'm good. All right. If you and first of all, you only eat once a week. <laughs> I just don't feel fed at that church. Well, um, I, do you eat food once a week for a couple hours and then nothing for seven days? That's strange. I'm not here to convince you or to instruct you. I'm here to create hunger in you and inspire you, to move you to action. It's not hype. It's different than hype. Hype pumps you up and you don't go anywhere. It's rah, rah, ree, yay, look at me. <laughs> but inspiration says, I gotta do something. I just heard something that I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta make something happen with what I just heard. And then, so that's my prayer and that's, just so you know, that's where we're going. Instruction informs, but inspiration initiates. Did you hear what I just said? Instruction informs. Oh yeah, I get it. I understand. Inspiration initiates to where you may not understand a word I'm about to say, but something in you says, I gotta do something. Come on. Jesus did not put the cookies on the bottom shelf. He said stuff like, eat my flesh, drink my blood, or else you have no part in me. End of sermon. He wanted to say, who's hungry? Nibble on my fingers. <laughs> you don't understand that. I'm bringing it into a, a context that you like can connect with. That's what they... The disciples like, this guy's promoting cannibalism. <laughs> That's what they thought. They did not understand the mysteries that he was speaking. We understand it because we're on this side of the cross. We have the Holy Spirit. Right? But they did not understand. you got to understand that they don't understand. And you need to understand that you don't understand what you think you understand. Okay. So, in denominationalism, people teach in order to convince. In apostolic families, we teach to create hunger. That's what I hope happens tonight. And so that core value that we've said a few times is that we honor everyone. So I need you to understand, this has to do with denominationalism versus the apostolic families. Honor is not agreement. You might have been told that if you disagree with someone, you're dishonoring them. But that is not true. Disagreement is actually the atmosphere where honor is most useful. Did you hear what I just said? Disagreement is actually the atmosphere where honor is most useful. Come on. If you honor only the people you agree with, you could just take Jesus' words and put honor in there instead of love. How, what good is it if you only love those who love you? What good is it if you only honor those who honor you? We honor everyone. Like us, different, doesn't matter. So honor is useful and most tested when we do not agree. And in an, in an apostolic family, honor is the starting point for this big, unattainable idea called unity. Because we want unity. We want the unity, you know, in the church. How many have heard sermons on unity? You know, how many heard like two in the last month? Probably, because it's like, we all want it. We all want it so bad. But the reality is, Ephesians 4 talks about the unity of the Spirit. Not the unity of agreement. Come on, the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit is diverse. The Spirit is a fire. The Spirit is talked about as a mother. In fact, in the Old Testament, you can't say Spirit without using the feminine. Ruach HaKodesh is feminine now, only, exclusively. And in the New Testament, it's neutered. It's either one, neutral, he or she. So, what do you think about that? Huh? So I think that's great because if we're talking about the unity of the spirit, I, I know, can, can I get a witness from the men? Women are complicated. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of crazy going on in there that I don't understand. And I love it. I love my wife. She's amazing. But I don't understand her. But sometimes I hear the voice of God in the other room audibly and then I realize it's just my wife. 
<laughs> she told me three years ago I'm going to start a church, and I said, take your medicine, you crazy woman, go back to the hospital. I don't know what you're talking about. So, I need you to understand something, though. Unity can happen, unity will happen more readily in an apostolic family than it ever will in denominationalism. I will prove it to you. Let me just say this to you. Unity is not about doing the same thing. It's about doing it with the same spirit. Yes. Unity is not about doing something the same. It's about doing it with the same spirit. We have attempted to gain the unity of the spirit through denominationalism and everyone agreeing. And it doesn't work. Has anyone ever tried to agree with like more than two people on anything? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, find one or two with whom you agree and that would be enough because he knew. Agreement is a very exclusive club. So I do not hope for you to leave your agreeing with my theological position. I hope to create hunger in you so that you go dig for yourself and find your own conviction about who God is and get inspired to action. That's my hope. And here's the deal. If if the unity of the Spirit was a product of denominationalisms, it would be so boring. Let me just, I'm going to play a video for you to explain. This will explain everything I mean by that. Watch this. It's different. 
It's different than the person sitting next to you. Husbands and wives, you got a different note. Quit trying to agree on everything. I know that is counterculture, what I just said. We need to be in agreement. Yeah, but what? you know what's higher than agreement? The unity of the spirit. To where a husband and wife can disagree and still be unified. Imagine that. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. I get, I get real intense when I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. This is where we get this whole unity idea. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I'm going to read out the ESV first here. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, for the Lord, sorry, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So it would be important to know what is the calling we receive, right? If you want to walk worthy of the calling you've called, been called, you've got to know what you've been called to do, right? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. Now let me ask you something. Do you need to bear with someone who you disagree with? Yeah. <laughs> Do you need to bear with someone you always agree with and get along with? Are you bearing with that person who's just like you? Or are you bearing with the one who disagrees with you? Maybe they're your spouse. <laughs> bearing with one another in love. Here it is. Eager to maintain. Same eager. Say it. Yeah. To maintain the unity of the spirit. In the bond of peace. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Oneness looks like unity of the Spirit. Say the Spirit. Let me just tell you, that word right there, I'll, def I'll define it for you. It's Strong's Concordance 1775, if you want to get real <laughs> theological. I struggle with preaching because I'm always teaching at Vanguard, our students, you know what I mean? Some of them are here, and I'm always giving them so many definitions of words, but you'll be okay. It's all right. If you don't like my teaching style, that's called a disagreement. You still have unity, though. Uh -huh. <laughs> Picking up what I'm putting down. The word unity is... He notes, and it literally means oneness, but it says especially the God-produced unity between believers, as in the harmony from sharing the likeness of the nature with the Lord. The likeness of nature with the Lord. The harmony that comes from sharing the likeness of nature with the Lord. You heard beautiful Cassie singing with me tonight. She was singing harmony, and it makes everything better. I'm just telling you, if we just went up there and sang the same notes, it would not be as cool. Let's do a little, I'm going to do a little exercise right here, okay? This this group, I'm looking at you, you're one group. Here's another, all the way to you, and then another group, all right? So first group, second group, third group, right? All right, I want this group to say, sing with me. We're going to do a little singing activation. Are you ready? So if you can't sing, that's fine. Just sing real loud anyway, all right? Sing this, just this group number one, sing. Do, do, real loud, real loud, do, do, do. Perfect. Now you're gonna sing, you guys are gonna sing a little soul pitch. We're gonna sing a little harmony. Do, re, mi, second group. Me, match me, me, perfect. Third group. Do, re, mi, fa, so, sing so, so, real loud, good. You can sing confident. Here we go, first group again. Do, second group. Me, so. All right, hold on, hold on. I'm getting ahead of me. Now everybody. Do, 
sing it, sing around. Do. Keep it going, keep it going. Do. Right there is what the church is most often aiming at. A denominationalism is aiming at that. Here's what an apostolic family aims at. Do me so. Do me so really loud. Do me so. Which one is more interesting? Which one is actually sounding a lot better? You're all awesome singers, by the way. It's good. It's good. So, if, did you notice something that when we all tried to sing the same note, it was a little pitchy in here? When we all try to go, do, and everybody's like, oh, I'm trying to match the guy next to me. It's actually, Gigi knows this, Cassie you knows any vocalist in here knows, it's actually more difficult to sing the note, same note than it is to harmonize. Okay? So here's what I want to say. Don't be a pitch. See, there's just certain things that the Lord called me to plant a church and now I'm just getting them all out of my system because it's my church. <laughs> and I'm, I'm ready to deal with the consequences. The church has been pitchy for way too long because they're all trying to sing the same note. But if you just sing your note and let them sing theirs, we'd create a canvas of beauty and harmony. The harmony that comes from sharing the likeness of nature with the Lord. It's about harmony. That means you got to sing a different note. Are you okay? I'm just shaking the religious tree as hard as I can, you know? Ray Hughes is a beautiful worship leader and teacher. He says this. He says, we have traded the unity of the spirit for sameness. We have traded the unity of the spirit for sameness. Is that not the truth? Come on, go to my church. We, we, let me tell you all the things that I think you might agree with in order to get you at my church. In the church, we've often traded the unity of the Spirit for the unison of the Spirit. And that's, unison means singing the same note. Come on. It's not the same. Just as harmony requires multiple notes, the unity of the Spirit requires the diversity of the saints. It requires the diversity of the saints. Come on, the unity of the Spirit requires the diversity of the saints. Black, white, brown, yellow, I don't care. The unity of the Spirit requires the diversity of the saints. I would hate it if everyone in this room looked like me. Oh gosh, I'd be so upset with myself. I'd be so upset. The unity of the Spirit and the unison of the Spirit are drastically different things. So, it says the unity of the Spirit, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Alright, so peace is actually what binds unity together. Peace is like the belt that holds up the pants of peace, if you will. You know what I mean? Peace is the bond. So let's look at that word. It literally means, it's the word Irene. And it means to join together into a whole. It means wholeness. When all essential parts are joined together, peace, God's gift of wholeness, all essential parts are bound together. So you're just a part, not a pinch. All right, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm having way too much fun with that. So here's the deal. We must let the harmony of God, God's divine union be our binding wholeness because you became one with God at the cross. Yes, you did. Yep. I have been crucified with Christ. Co-crucified is the word. Co is the word in union with. I have been crucified in union with Christ. When he died, you died. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You are breathing because of God's faithfulness, not because of your faith striving. <laughs> you are breathing because of his faithfulness to you, not because of your, not even because of your yes. Your yes released his faithfulness into you. God is the initiator. Hey, Justin, love you, buddy. God is the initiator. Come on. You were not the initiator. And we must let the cross where you became one with God be our lens. It has to be our lens where we all became one, but not the same. Come on. Did you notice that when you got saved, you didn't all of a sudden have like short crew cut hair and clean shaven and slacks and a suit and tie on? Like it wasn't like, bang, you know, you didn't transform into a, a church guard. We're all different. Some people in here have hats on. I love that. Some people have them. One has a bandana on. I love it. And it's not a gang thing. It's great. Even if it was. Even if it was. I have really long hair. And a beard. And I'm leading the church. It's cool. Why? Because the unity of the spirit, help me, requires the diversity of the saints. The diversity of the saints. Amen? So Jesus addresses this in John 17. 17 through 23, if you want to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you. John 17, verse 17 through 23. He's praying for his disciples and for us, and he's saying, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I know it's a bunch of big words, but let me break it down for you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to the cross and paying this penalty so that they would all be sanctified. You have been sanctified. Hebrews 10.10, 10, check me. 1 Corinthians 6, check me. You're already holy right now. You're not getting holier by the minute. You're getting progressive revelation of your sanctification. You're getting a progressive unveiling of how holy Christ is in you. Christ in you is the only hope of glory. You did. You're an empty vessel carrying the King of Kings. You carry the holiness of God. You are the Ark of the New Covenant. If you're not holy, how can you carry the Holy Spirit? Come on, what the vessel carries is defined. What the vessel carries defines the vessel. Come on, you don't, you don't want a pizza box without any pizza in it. It's just cardboard. But you put that pizza in there, oh buddy. You want that thing now. Because what the vessel carries defines the vessel. And you carry the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. That makes you holy. So, he said, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So the question is, did Jesus actually complete what he set out to do? <laughs> yeah. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Hallelujah. That they may be one. Say one. one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one. Say one. one. Even as we are one. Say one. one. I and them and you and me. That they may become perfectly one. one. So that the world may know that you loved, you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Come on. That is so huge. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation for you. Is He says, your word is true, so make them holy by the truth. I've commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. That's Jesus talking to God. God is talking to God, guys. Pay attention. God's having a combo with God. And you've got to listen in. Hello? This is important. 
And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. That's inspiration. Fully dedicated to God only comes through inspiration. Amen? Come on, have you tried to be dedicated out of your own attempts and striving? That just sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. It's uninspired. And he says, I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them. Come on, you have the glory of God. Jesus gave it to you. <laughs> so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity we enjoy. I'm going to blitz down here real quick. So everyone's trying to get to steps two and three without step number one. Step one is union with Christ. Step one is you became one with Christ on the cross. Step two is unity between believers. And step three is the world convinced of God's love. Did you hear that in that passage? Yeah? Step one, I pray for them to join together even as, as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Meaning we're one with God. And step two, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You see, the unity is the outflow of the union of Christ and the church. Step three, and the world will be convinced that you sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Everybody skipping step one. We need to be unified, blah, blah, blah. But you're not believing that you're one with God right now. Focus on your union with God and unity will be a fruit. So here's the deal. Living in an apostolic family means that we do not run from disagreement. We run towards each other no matter what. And the resting place will not gather when we agree and scatter when we disagree. No, no, no. I'm just letting you in on what you might say yes to. We will gather around the presence of God, the life DNA of the Father, and the unity of the Spirit. An apostolic, uh, an apostolic family is on mission at all times. It's a family on mission. That's what it means, apostolic family. Missional family. The mission is simple. Love one another. And this apostolic family exists for the lost to be found, for the found to be free, and for peace to reign in our city. R-E-I-G-N. Reign as a monarch. King of peace. King Jesus reigning in our city. And then, and then, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to have Sandy come up in just a minute and our prayer team is going to come up and they're going to, she's going to lead us in a moment and we're going to have a time of ministry, but it's going to be a little bit weird and not so church flowy, you know what I mean? But that's okay. And we're, we're going to, after that, have a five minute interlude where if you need ministry or you want to give your life to the Lord, praise God. And we're going to do that. And then we're going to have a lunch team meeting. So I encourage all of you to stay. We will be done by 815. And that's where we're going to do what Scott said we're going to do. Okay. And we're going to explain how the church runs our serve teams and gives everyone an opportunity to serve. All right? Let me pray for you and then Sandy's going to come. Father God, we pray for living understanding right now of what it means to be in an apostolic family. We pray that you would breathe on this word and show us, God, to create hunger in us to dig, what, dig out what it means to live in that apostolic family. And God, we say yes to your, your mission, which is family, that God is building a family, not a church, not a ministry, not a building. But a family. Thank you, God, that your goal is family on the earth. You, God, and yourself are a family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we pray for living understanding of what it means to join an apostolic family. Amen. Say amen. amen. Come on, let's welcome Sandy. Sandy.